Uh, The reading today comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is the gospel of Christ. Well, thank you very much, uh, Molly. It's a long passage as we continue our series in Matthew's gospel. So uh, why don't I pray that the Lord would help us as we uh, think on it for the next few minutes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus and his teaching. And uh, we thank you for the parables in particular. And uh, as we spend some time now thinking about a, a particular parable, but also the purpose of parables, we pray, Lord, that you would help us have the ears to hear and the hearts and minds to understand that we've heard of. Uh, We need your help, Lord. So please work within us by your Spirit. Help us see the things we need to see and make the changes we need to make. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Over the last few months, 
I'm good with the microphone now, is that right? We're good, thank you. Over the last few months, I've seen repeated examples of um, people saying a similar th phrase. I've seen it uh, on TV shows and movies, I've seen it in real life, experienced it, and it's been variations of someone saying to another person, I hear you, I hear you. Usually it's been to someone who's just shared something very personal or something uh, that's been shared that's very difficult to say or meaningful, and the other person is confirming that they've heard it. I hear you. It's a powerful statement because we all want to be heard. It's a terrible thing when we're not heard. It's a terrible feeling when uh, we feel that someone hasn't understood or heard what we're saying and comprehended. It's a wonderful feeling when we know we are heard. And it's a wonderful feeling because there's no guarantee in this life or this world that we will be heard because not all of us are good listeners. Not all of us are good hearers. Have a think about how you were in the classroom. How were you as a listener to the teacher? What about the coach? Uh, how, how did the players respond to the coach? I heard just over this weekend a coach lamenting that their team hadn't listened to a word he'd said. Thought, well, that's going to be an interesting practice next week. Uh, the parent to the child, listen to me. Listen, to, you're not listening to me. The police to different people, not being heard. We could go on and on. We're told from an early age, aren't we, that we've got two ears and only one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we speak, but not all of us learn that lesson. What kind of listener are you? What kind of hearer are you? A couple of weeks ago, if you were here, as we opened up Matthew's Gospel, we were challenged to think about our mouths, to consider the importance of what we say, to think about uh, the, the importance of the words we speak, the things that are on our tongue. And, but today is all about hearing. Two weeks ago, it was all about speaking. This week, it's all about hearing, listening. How well do we do it? Particularly, how well do we do it to the Word of God? Well, that's what we're going to be thinking about. That's what I'm going to be challenging you about from this passage, because it's all the way through it. Uh, our passage today is the beginning of a new section in Matthew's Gospel, and it's a section of parables, short stories that Jesus used, where he used everyday illustrations and things that people would know and be familiar with to teach truths. And we get the first one in this series this morning. Our passage breaks up, though, into three sections. If you have a look at Andrew, if you can show some of the um, various verses, that would be very helpful. Verses 1 to 9 is Jesus in the boat speaking, and he tells the first parable, the parable of the sower. But then the second section is a bit different. In verse 10, right through to verse 17, the disciples come up to Jesus, and they don't ask him the meaning of the parable of the sower, which he's just given them. They ask him, why do you teach in parables? And so he starts to give uh, some teaching on the purpose of parables, why he uses them, why he teaches them. Then in the third section, verse 18 to 23, he then explains the parable that he said in the first section. He explains the parable of the sower. So you've got the parable of the sower given in the first section and then explained in the third section. And then in the middle, you've got the section about the purpose of parables. Now, this is a structure, it's a very deliberate structure that we often get in the, in the Gospels, where we call it a sandwich, where you've got a bit of bread on one side, a bit of bread on the other, and you've got bacon in the middle. So you've got a bit of bread here, the parable of the sower, here's the meaning of the parable of the sower, 
but it's the bacon that makes it a beautiful whole, right? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to see, now this is done deliberately because the bit in the middle will be proved or demonstrated or taught more fully by the things on either side of it. It's all connected. So what I'm going to do is this morning, I'm going to start with the middle section. Always start with bacon. We'll look at the middle section first to think about the purpose of parables, why Jesus used parables when he taught, and then we will see that explained more fully, shown in in practical terms in the particular parable of the parable of the sower. So I hope that makes sense. So let's let's look at the the middle section first, verses uh, 10 to 17. And here we see the purpose of Jesus' teaching in parables. So have a look at verse 10. This is the setup. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Now, if we weren't going to go on, and I was just going to take a straw poll today, I think a lot of Christians think they know the answer to that question. And they assume it's because parables are simple stories and everyone could grasp it. They assume it's because Jesus spoke about everyday scenarios which everyone could relate with and therefore get the truth from. But Jesus, we'd be wrong if we assumed that. Jesus' answer is actually very different to that. Verse 11, Jesus replies, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. And I won't go through all the verses, but it builds on that theme. And these verses can be very challenging. These are very interesting verses and very important verses. Because there is clearly a sense here of the sovereignty of God. God's in charge, and he gives, and he doesn't give. And that's a, that's a theme in the scriptures that is really hard to get our heads around, but it's taught in different places, and it's certainly mentioned or hinted at here. But it says more than that in these verses. It says that part of the purpose of, preach, uh, of teaching in parables was to conceal as well as reveal. Now, before I said it, most people would assume it was just to make it simpler, make everyone be able to understand it. But Jesus says, no, it also conceals from some. Now, it's not just to conceal, because otherwise he wouldn't say anything. He wants to reveal. There's a, a revealing purpose to the parables, but it doesn't just reveal. It also conceals. Now, that makes us nervous when we hear this. Because suddenly we're going, well, hang on, if some people are revealed the truth and some people aren't, and if some people can get it, but it's hidden from others, that, that seems unfair. Isn't, isn't that unfair on people? That's a fair question. That's something that should unsettle us and think about, make, make us think about. But what we're going to get, this is the, the difficulty of thinking about God's sovereignty away from human responsibility. There's a truth that God is in charge of all things, and he's in charge of what he gives and opening hearts and all those sorts of things. But the Bible also teaches that we're responsible, the decisions we make, the actions we take. And we need both those truths. There are times when you feel like you're spinning out of control in your life, and you need to know, don't worry, God's holding on to me and he's in charge. There are other times when you may be sailing by in your Christian walk and playing loose and light with the truth and almost wandering away. And you don't want to be reminded God's in charge. You want to be reminded you're responsible. Buck your ideas up. Stop doing certain things. Start doing certain things. We need to hold both in mind. The Bible always does. Sometimes we're not as good. 
and this purpose of parables does focus a lot on the sovereignty of God and the concealing purpose, but the parable around it reminds us of the importance of how we hear. Will we do the right thing? So you get both in this section. In other words, what I'm going to tell you is, parables are not 3D pictures, they're more like automatic doors, and I think you know what I mean. Remember 3D pictures? Let me explain it. Just for those of you who may be a little slower, let me explain what I mean. Remember 3D pictures? They were popular a few years ago. They were those pictures that you had to stand a certain distance from on the wall, and you had to stare at them for about 19 hours. And at first, they just looked like a glob of different colours, and you couldn't see anything. But if you stared for 19 hours, and the wind blew in the right direction, suddenly it would come into focus, and you'd see three dolphins hugging a squirrel or something on the, on the <laughs> or a clown on a seesaw, and it would come into, uh, into focus, and you'd see it. Apparently, I never saw one of them. I spent many hours looking at these flipping things. I did not see one. I still think it may have been a have, just to pick on me. So some people could see, hands up those of you who saw them. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> hands up the righteous among you who are honest enough to say you never saw the righteous are here. That's good. Some people worry that the parables are like that. It's just luck of the draw. And some of you can see it if you, you look and you, you spend it, and some of you are jay and you're never going to get it. But it's not like that. The parables are more like automatic doors at a mall. You know, when you head towards the mall and the doors are there, if you don't go any further towards the doors, they will remain shut. You will not be able to get in. But if you approach them, if you go up to them, if you move towards the sensor, they will open and you will be able to walk in. The scriptures all the way say through them that if we seek the Lord, we will find him. If we come towards him, he will be found by us, if we're genuine. It's much more like that. It's a great passage, this, because it holds the sovereignty of God and human responsibility together. But don't feel like, well, it's going to be unfair. No, if you approach the Lord, then you, he will find you. Uh, and I want you to hold on to that as we think about the parables, because now we're going to see this demonstrated in a particular parable, the parable of the sower. So let's move to this. Remember, this is all about what kind of hearer you are. Have a look at the uh, parable. We'll, we'll read the parable first, verse 3. See Jesus tell it, then we'll think about what it means. So verse 3. A farmer went out to sow his seed. So imagine someone with a bag of seed, and out they go, and they're flinging the seed around to... Now this, we're not, we don't have hole punches anymore or, or machines. This is old school, so... I'm showing my agricultural know-how again. You're out with a bag of seed and you're scattering it around everywhere. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky places without much soil. That sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. So there's the parable. We've got one farmer, and the farmer is throwing out seed. The seed is all the same. The seed doesn't change. It's the same seed. Uh, it's not different kinds of seed. But it lands in four different places. 
it lands in four different locations, four different soils, if you like. The path, the rocky part, the thorny part, and the good soil. And the seed has different results in terms of how it grows based on each of the four different locations. In three of them, it doesn't work well. No good on the path, no good on the rocky place, no good on the place with thorns, but good with the good soil. So that's the parable that Jesus gives. So what does it mean? Well, thankfully, we don't have to just make it up. Jesus tells us in verse 18. So let's move to verse 18 and see what he says about it. And notice at first, he doesn't explain everything. Sometimes people with parables make a mistake and they try and do this kind of allegorical mathematical system where everything's got a, 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 um, a kind of simile and uh, they read way too much into the parables. Not everything in a parable is explained. We're told the things we need to know. Uh, in this one, we're not told who, in Matthew's gospel, who the sower is. We're not told the identity of the sower. In fact, I've always thought it should probably be called the parable of the, the soils rather than the sower. But then I noticed that Jesus himself calls it the parable of the sower in verse 18, so I won't argue. He knows what he's talking about. But we're not told who the sower is there. We're not told what the path is. It doesn't say what the path is. We don't know why the crop is sometimes 100 times, sometimes 60 times, sometimes 30 times. We're not told everything. But we're told what we need to know. The most important thing I want us to know to understand this parable is what is the seed? The seed is in each of the four soils, but there's something about the soil that causes the problem with its growth. What's the seed? Well, have a look. Verse 18. Remember, the seed is in each one. Verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, dot, dot, dot. That's the first one. That's on the path. Look at verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word, dot, dot, dot. Now look at verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, dot, dot, dot. And finally, verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and dot, dot, dot. Did you get that? The seed is hearing the word hearing the secrets of the word of the kingdom, hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel, whatever you want, it's hearing the word of God. And what this parable is telling us is, we all hear the word of God, but what kind of hearers are we? And there's four that are kind of put out here. And so the question I'm, I'm going to be asking you this morning is the same question I've been asking myself, what kind of hearer are you when it comes to the word of God? There's different things in each of the different, in the different soils that spoil the hearing. On the path, what is it? Verse 19, on the path, it's Satan. It's the evil one. And it's, it's not understanding, and it's Satan. On the rocky ground, in verses 20 to 21, it will be shallowness, not roots, and the struggles of life causing problems when there's no depth to the, to the, to the crop. With the thorns, verse 22, it's the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of, of wealth choking out the growth. They all hear the word, but different things cause problems because they're different hearers. So let me think about the, um, the hearers for a moment. Firstly, I think we see with the path, the unresponsive hearer or the ununderstanding, the not understanding hearer. This is the seed on the path where there's no understanding and Satan snatches it away. Satan is always involved in distorting the word of God. I hope you know that. There's a spiritual element to this. 
Satan's always done that. Think back to the Garden of Eden. What did the serpent, which is Satan, do to Adam and Eve? Did God really say, causing you to doubt what God said? You will not surely die, even though God said you will surely die. He doesn't want you to be like him, causing you to doubt God's goodness in his word and all that kind of thing. Satan will snatch God's word away from some of us. If we don't think carefully about what we hear with God's word, Satan will snatch it away. Satan works on that way. At the moment, I love this sermon at one level because um, you may be thinking that this sermon's boring. Well, this, this is saying it's all on you because you're the hearer. If you're finding it boring, there's no problem with this sermon. It's you. You're the... You're the per- uh, J.C. Ryle, who was a, um, an Anglican bishop in Liverpool, when he was writing on these words, on the devil snatching words away when people were listening to sermons, this is what he wrote. I think they're great words and you may, um, uh, you, you may have a sympathy with them. He says, from the devil comes wandering thoughts and roving imaginations during sermons. Listless minds and dull memories come forth, sleepy eyes and fidgety nerves, weary ears and distracted attention. In all these things, Satan has a great hand. People wonder where they come from and marvel how it is they find a sermon so dull and remember them so badly. They forget this parable and the devil. True, isn't it? It's a great sermon. You're the problem and Satan's the problem. Don't be the unresponsive hearer. Don't be the not understanding. Give it your full attention. Try as much as you can to be listening every time you're hearing the word of God, whether it's through a sermon, through your own personal quiet time, through a Bible study, through a conversation with another person, through a dream. Listen to the word of God. Don't be the unresponsive hearer. Secondly, the superficial hearer. This is the, the part on the rocks where it's shallow. And I think the key to the superficial hearer uh, here in the parable is the end of verse 20. They receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. This is rootless enthusiasm. It's got, it's kind of, um, I'm, I'm right in, but it's got nothing anchoring it. So that when the tough times come, as it talks about here, there's nothing grounding it, nothing anchoring it. It's initial yay, but nothing continues to grow. And this is not talking about simple faith, it's shallow faith. Nothing wrong with simple faith. Simple faith is a great thing. The Lord Jesus commends simple faith. Shallow faith is different. At the uh, wedding yesterday when I was speaking about uh, marriage to uh, Will and Miriam, I spoke about the danger of uh, a kind of superficial love where there's a, you've got a kind of romantic crush where it's all fizz and froth, early excitement based on looks or kind of the superficial, but no depth to it. Well, you can think in the same way about our relationship with the Lord. Those things will never get you through the tough times. To get you through the tough times, you need to have a depth to your relationship. You need to have a knowledge of the other person and, and have received evidence of what they're like and their trustworthiness and all those sorts of things, not just based on an image or an, a, an initial emotion, but understanding, a depth to it, a growth in it. It's the same with the Lord. You need to not just rely on your feelings towards the Lord, as as wonderful as they can, can be. You need to know him. You need to know who he is and what he's promised you. There needs to be a depth to the relationship. And if this is you this morning, even if, as I'm saying this, and you recognize in yourself that there's a bit of an immaturity to your relationship, do something about it. 
Because what this parable's doing is, 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 is encouraging us to work hard. And there's no shortcuts with this with the Lord. You've got to listen hard, which means studying and thinking and reflecting and pouring over and praying about. You need to make sure your roots are growing. You need to make sure you're deepening in your knowledge as well as your love for the Lord. I've shared a number of times here at St. Stephen's because it's true of my own I speak on this with some passion and conviction because when I first became a Christian, I had no depth to me. For two or three years, I, I was kind of all over the place until I met Jamie and she sharpened me down. So you, we need it. You need to work on this. And I, I probably, um, again, this might be more personal to me, I think guys need to work on this more. I, I think this is a generalization, so I will generally probably offend people here, but I think women are better listeners and better at committing to relationships. Men are not as good at listening and not as good at working hard on those things. Now, those are generalizations, so some of you will be annoyed at me when you don't have to be, because I'm not talking about you personally, uh, but for men in particular, listen in your relationship with the Lord. That means work on the Word. Work on your relationship and your understanding of Him so that you're growing and deepening and strengthening. So there's an unresponsive hearer, or an un, a non-understanding hearer. There's a superficial hearer. Thirdly, there's the worldly hearer. Here are the thorns choking out what's been heard. And the thorns, verse 22, are the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Very interesting. The Word of God is so good, because this is so true. This is what happens, even with the, the keenest of us, this world and its attractions and its events and people and lures, lures us away from him and listening, really hearing and growing in our relationship with the Lord. That's what's going on here. It's when we're more interested in our physical bodies than our souls. It's when we're more thoughtful about the, the stuff of this world than the spiritual reality around us. It's when we, 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 we're taken with what our eyes see and we experience in this life instead of what's really important. And people sometimes do this deliberately because they say, well, Jesus, I, I kind of know you're important, but I just want to get this part of life sorted out first. But what happens is it's just you never get to Jesus. I'll get to you soon, Jesus. I just want to have fun while I'm here. And then you have a few years of fun and you go, well, well, now what I want, I just need to get some serious relationships, so I'll work on that, and then I'll come to you, Jesus. And then we get the serious relationship. Well, I've just started a family, or I've just started a career, so I'll just sort this out, and then I'll come to you, Jesus. And Well, I've just bought a house, and now I've got to do some renovations, and uh, things have, have cropped up, so I'll, I'll sort this out, and then I'll come to you, Jesus. And Well, now I need to get ready for retirement, and, and Jesus, never, the things of this world consume us. Friends, I want to say, don't waste your life putting the things of this world first, because they're spoiling. They are breaking. They will be lost. You will never take them with you. Jesus, his words, hearing the Lord is the only thing that lasts. Get the priorities right. Pilgrim's Progress, if you've never read it, it's a great book, talking about the lures and attractions of this world and the foolishness of it in the end, because the Lord is so good. Don't be a worldly hearer. Don't let the stuff of this world and the deceitfulness of, of money, that money is deceitful because it makes us think if we've got it, we're in control. If we've got it, we're in charge. If we've got it, we're safe. It's foolishness. Don't be a worldly hearer. So we're warned not to be an unresponsive hearer. We're not warned not to be a superficial hearer. We're warned not to be a worldly hearer. Instead, we want to be an understanding hearer. 
the good soil. And what that means is us listening attentively. There's a thing now, isn't there, about being active listeners. I don't even really know what that means, but it sounds good, and that's what we should be. Attentive listeners. Us listening carefully. Searching for the meaning. Thinking on it. Reflecting on it. Understanding it. The great news is it reaps a bumper crop. It bears out in our lives. It's good. When you hear the word in a sermon, or in your quiet times, or in a conversation with a Christian friend, or at a Bible study, what kind of hearer are you? Don't just let it gloss over you. Don't just let it kind of fizzle away. Don't just let the things of your immediate life cause it to to drift. What kind of hearer are you when you hear the word of God? Do you work on it? Study it? Ask people about it? Think on it? Pray over it? If you're not good, because some of these parables are tricky, some of the Bible's tricky, there's a concealing element to it, find someone that can help you with it. Get a a, a good person who you, you can sit down and read the Bible with, but hear it. It's too important not to. We're not talking about listening to something that's irrelevant. I did not listen to fifth form maths. I was asked to change maths when I was fifth form, my career in maths, into what we called at Selwyn College, maths for the real world. That's what I was asked to do. And um, I enjoyed maths for the real world, world more because I could see there would be some benefit to it. But maths as a subject, I spent my whole time going, I'm nev- this is not important. This is, this is not going to play much to do with my real life. I was right. But... Um, <laughs> But some things are important, and you've got to listen to them. And there is nothing more important than the Word of God. Let me wrap up. Uh, There's a movie, uh, A Few Good Men. You may have seen the movie A Few Good Men. In it, Tom Cruise is a lawyer, and uh, he's defending some Marines who've done something wrong. And he's a lawyer trying to establish whether these Marines had to obey the orders that they were given. And... um, Uh, Tom Cruise, as this lawyer, trying to work out whether these Marines should have obeyed the law, uh, the the orders they were given, asks this. He says, yeah, but it it wasn't a serious order, was it? After all, it's peacetime. He wasn't being asked to secure a hill or advance on a beachhead. I mean, surely a Marine of intelligence can be trusted to determine on his own which are the really important orders and which orders might be, say, morally questionable. Well, then later on, if you know the movie, in the uh, kind of final scenes, the Jack Nicholson character, who's the big boss and the big general, he makes it clear that his Marines have to obey orders. They don't have a choice over what kind of orders it is. They have to do it. I wish I could do a Jack Nicholson impression for you, but I can't. But he says this as he's trying to pull down this lawyer standing in front of him who clearly doesn't understand the military. He says to Tom Cruise, have you ever spent time in an infantry unit, son? ever served in a forward area, ever put your life in another man's hands and asked him to put his life in yours? We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear, Crystal? If you're a soldier serving on the front line in enemy territory, you listen hard. You hear well, without question, and you do what's there. Most of us don't listen like that in our normal lives. I'm here to tell you this morning that the word of God is more important than infantry orders. It's more important than anything else we will hear in this world. 
The word of God deserves not just our attention, but our obedience and our love and our hearts and our desires. Listening to the word of God is more important than anything else. Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. Jesus alone is the truth. Jesus alone is the one we must hear. And so I ask you this morning, what kind of hearer will you be with him? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there's something to hear. Thank you for your son, the word. Thank you for your written word, the scriptures. Thank you for you speaking to us. And I pray that we would not just stay back, but we would come forward like those automatic doors to hear you and to put it into effect in our lives. Father, stop us being lazy when it comes to your word. Stop us being distracted from other things. We pray that we would have a delight for your word and that more and more we would be hearers of understanding and that in doing that, we would be better pressed to serve you in this world, to share the good news of Jesus with others and to live lives that please you and bring you glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.